and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vecini. We are presented by The Athletic. Today on the show, Robbie Calland is here. You know what time it is. It's mid-September when this is coming out. It's coming out, well, on like September 13th, 14th, something like that. It's the week I'm on vacation. Yeah. I couldn't be more excited because Robbie is here to do NBA win total over-unders. Robbie, what's going on, buddy? A tradition unlike any other, Sam. Uh, a pleasure to be now? here. God, Five we've been doing it a long years? time. Yeah, we've been doing this a long time. I love it. I look forward to it every year. I was excited. You know, I thought it was a new, it felt a little early, uh, but I was excited because I've, you know, I've been bored out of my mind uh, <laughs> the last like month. Like, this gave me something to do all day was just like try to get dialed in on some feels. And uh, yeah, man. Let's uh, let's dive into this. I couldn't be more excited because it's just a great time of year. I went back and looked to see when we recorded this last year. It mm-hmm. was like September 17th. Mm-hmm. Like it was right around this time. I guess we're recording like a week early this year. Yeah. But like it's it's about it's about right in terms of the timing. And with that comes an upgrade. If you're watching over on YouTube and if you're going to watch Go watch over on YouTube. It's, again, just the best way to consume the podcast now. You get to see Robbie's face. get to see my face. And on top of it, you're going to get to see these beautiful graphics that I've built up. Every year, Robbie and I have a lot of information that we put out. We call them the fundamentals, basically, of where each team stands going into this season. And then we have the win total over under, which is what matters and we're going with bet mgm now i think uh there's a chance these numbers change slightly just because uh that's how you know, betting markets work it's how betting markets work we're a week ahead basically we might yeah. say like if we really have a lean what number we would go up to sure. basically in terms of the lean but we're gonna have graphics here we're gonna be we're gonna have starting lineups, reserves, what the number is, all of the fundamental information, key losses, key additions. Go to YouTube, subscribe to the Game Theory YouTube channel, Game Theory Podcast with Sam Pacini. Best way to consume the show at this point. Uh, There's just too much uh, visual stuff that you guys might be missing otherwise. If you listen on the podcast feed, I love you and appreciate you. Thank you, as always. But a tradition unlike any other, also for Robbie and I, is that we start with the Atlanta Hawks. Robbie's beloved. (laughs) Yeah. Atlanta Hawks. <laughs> yes. I couldn't be more pumped to talk about the Atlanta Hawks. Look at these beautiful things. We got graphics all over the place. The Atlanta Hawks, they're over under win totals 41 and a half this year. Uh, last season, they won 41 games. They were expected to win 42 games. This number is basically right on the money in terms of what they were last year. The seventh best offense in the league, 22nd best defense in the league. They had a top 10 pace. They made the playoffs as the eight seed lost in the first round. Middle of the pack in terms of strength schedule. They lose John Collins and half of a season of Nate McMillan. They gain Kobe Bufkin, Patty Mills, a couple of rookies in addition to that. But more importantly, in my opinion, they gain a full season of Quinn Snyder getting to run the show on offense. Robbie, yeah, what are you thinking about the Atlanta Hawks this year? I mean, like, I think this number is about right because I think at this point, I feel like this is a about a 500 team. Um, losing John Collins, I'm really interested to see how that impacts this because obviously he had a down year last year. 
but he still was really integral to what they do in terms of his ability to go downhill at the rim and giving Trey Young two pick and roll partners who were really good at getting to the rim. Clint Capella and John Collins gave him two guys that could come run up and set that high ball screen and get to the rim and give him a lob threat. I'm interested to see what they do without that because they, you know, they won't have two of those guys on the floor a lot of the time anymore. You know, it's going to be more spaced out, I think. Uh, they're going to shoot, I think, more three. And, and John kind of found himself marooned out there a little bit some last year. Um, yeah. Asked to take more spot-up shots. He didn't have a good shooting year from three. I'm interested to see how the offense just adjusts without him because it, it's a different dynamic. I think they lose some things. If you're playing, you know, Sadiq Bay more, um, if you're playing, you know, Jalen Johnson probably gets some reps. Uh, and it's up in the rotation some, but if you're playing Sadiq Baymore, I would expect them to be, you know, more four out with Clint in the middle um, and just more shooters and looking for that. And I'm interested to see how that works. Cause that would fit more with what Quinn Snyder we've seen from him in the past. Uh, yeah. And so I'm interested to see how this works. Cause I, I, maybe that brings more variability because they're just going to be a higher volume three point shooting team, which they needed to be. They were among the worst last year in terms of uh, both percentage and shots taken from three. They just didn't get them up very much. And I know Quinn Snyder will want them to up that because we know what he's done in the past in Utah. And uh, again, like I think there could be some, some higher variance to this team. I think there are going to be nights that they look great and that's the nights that shots go down. Uh, and the offense is going to look like, Hey, like this is kind of what we expect from a, a Trey young led offense. And then there's going to be, you know, the, the nights where it kind of looks stuck in the mud and they're going to have some, <laughs> some work to be done to figure things out. Cause the pieces don't all fit together perfectly and, and they yeah. don't have, it, it's just, it fe- they still just feel like one of the play-in teams to me. Um, they didn't make any roster upgrades. It's literally just how much do you believe a full season of Quinn Snyder matters? And yeah. it could, but also I do think losing John Collins back. He also was probably their second best defender um, behind <laughs> Like losing him hurts yeah. them defensively considerably, and they don't have a replacement for that. Like they just yeah. worse defensively. I think John Collins has gotten really underrated defensively over the course of the last few years. Like there is a case that he was better, especially than DeJounte Murray last year, who I thought was not incredible defensively. He was not very very good. DeAndre can guard on the ball. I think John was a little bit better in scheme a lot of Mm -hmm. the time than what DeAndre is. DeAndre is a lot more of like a stopper that you try and put on bigger wings, and that typically is to mixed success. Yeah. The big thing for me is trying to figure out what does the center position look like? Mm-hmm. How many more minutes does Anyeka Kongwu start to get? Mm-hmm. Can he steal some minutes from Clint Capella? I kind of think there's a chance that that happens a little bit. If only because if you look from the time that Quinn Snyder took over those last 21 games, right? Mm-hmm. Anyeka Kongwu played 21 minutes per game. He averaged 12 points and seven rebounds and shot 66% from the field. When I think of like offensively a Quinn Snyder center that Mm -hmm. is going to screen and roll rim run, be effective at the basket. Onyeka really fits that to a T Mm -hmm. I think. So 
how many minutes can he steal from Clint Capella? Did they look to move Clint Capella at some point? Because the other piece of the Anyeka Okongwu puzzle here is that he's a restricted free agent after yeah. this season and is extension eligible right now. Do they try and extend him? Does he wait on an extension to see what the role looks like this year? Mm. I, I don't know. To me, there's just a lot of moving pieces there. Mm. This team, I'm a, also a little bit worried generally about their depth in terms of the deep depth. Like, yeah. what happens if DeJounte Murray goes down? Or what happens, more importantly, if Trey Young goes down? Sure. Or even if Sadiq Bayer, DeAndre Hunter goes down. I was going to say, down. if DeAndre Hunter goes down, and you, and, you know, we've kind of seen you can't rely a ton on Bogdan to be there night in, night. Like, he's he's going to, yep. he tends to, he's a 60 to 65 game guy on a, on a good year um, yeah. at this point. And, 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 you know, he's looked great in FIBA world cup. And, and hopefully that means he comes in, in, you know, maybe just better condition to be ready to play. I think yeah. that's your, your but hope. That's but also, also more that's more on the right, Exactly. Too. It's like, how does that impact him second half of the season? Uh, yeah. I'm with you just because, yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty thin. Patty Mills wasn't great in Brooklyn. Uh, he's yeah. starting to show age. It, it is. Kobe Bufkin is, is very skinny. I think it's going to be right. tough for him to like really be valuable this year. Mm-hmm. It, it's. Yeah. I, I, I would love to tell people I love this over. I love the idea of Quinn Snyder coming in and just being a much better coach than Nate McMillan. Yeah. I think there's like a real case for that. I can't really do it though. I think this is a stay away to me. Yeah. Just because I, I think that at this team's best, this is definitely like more of like a forty-five win team sure. or something like that. It's sure. just maybe even you could even get up to like forty-seven, forty-eight. I think if like Trey and Dejounte a year in, really get rolling. Like, mm-hmm. there's a real case for the over here. And if you made me lean, I would say the over sure. in terms of a side. I just can't say that like this is one that I'm diving on. Yeah, definitely at 41 and a half, I think lean over. Uh, I saw 42 and a half out there. Definitely would stay away from a number that like there. Um, yeah, I, I'm with you. I just, there's too many variables here, too many questions. And like you said, like you really have to believe in health, um, which is just a tough thing to bank on to really want to put, you know, a money on the table for something when you like, you are probably one person, like, maybe the only person that they can legit just plug and play if somebody gets hurt is if Clint gets hurt, then they move in, you know, a Kongu up, but then you also don't have a backup center at that point. Really. You play Jalen Johnson backup center minutes. Um, Yeah. So it's, it's just, I'm with you. I think, especially because we know how much the regular season's a war of attrition. And this comes back to the Hawks refusal to spend money and refusal to even go near the tax. And that's an ownership issue. Um, is just they they keep moving guys who provide that depth. They keep yeah. moving the guys that give you the depth to withstand injuries. And they've been very lucky. Like Trey's been very healthy and it's partially the way he plays. I think in terms of a guard gives him, you know, sh- shooting more. He's not going to, he doesn't do the John Morant crash at the rim. You know, he's not trying to go up and dunk on people. He's not in the air a ton. Yeah. So I think he he kind of has a game that you know lends itself to being a little healthier as a guard, um, not trying to be crazy physical, not trying to do any of that stuff. But 
at the same time, like you really are like they 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 have a lot of questions after you know seventh eighth man uh, on yeah. this team. That's just tough come regular season when you're you know when it's right mid March and guys are banged up. That's right. Okay. Let's move on to the next team here, which is going to be the Boston Celtics. The Boston Celtics, their over under win total is 54 and a half. That is a large number. I believe it's the largest number uh, along with Denver on mm-hmm. the market currently. The Boston Celtics won 57 games last year. They were the second best offense, the third best defense in the league. Did not play a particularly pick, quick pace. They were 20th in the league. Obviously made the Eastern Conference Finals. 20th strength of schedule. The big shakeup here, though, is that they move Marcus Smart mm-hmm. in a deal to get Christoph Porzingis and two first-round picks, essentially. Right. Uh, Grant Williams is gone. Guys like Blake Griffin and Mike Muscala also gone. But Jordan Walsh, Walsh is in. I think Jordan Walsh like could maybe end up playing as like their 10th or 11th man here. But really, we're talking about the big shift here being Christoph's entering the starting lineup for Marcus mm-hmm. Smart. Derek White getting to run the show and then it just being Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and then playing essentially two bigs uh, a decent amount of the time as they like to do. Mm -hmm. So I think this team is kind of tailor made to be an awesome regular season team. And I think that the Kristaps Porzingis addition, as long as he stays healthy is kind (laughs) of why that is. Yeah. Yeah. I, the plantar fasciitis thing is scary. It is, yeah. it's, it's a big man with a foot issue who has had leg issues his whole career. It is really yeah. scary, but I'm with you. Like I, I lean over, but I think the reason it's a no play for me is like, I just, Chris Tapp's had his healthiest season since I think his third season in the league last year, uh, yeah. playing 60, whatever games he played. <sighs> already coming in with some concerns. And yeah. as we know, plantar fasciitis is not something that just tends to go away. That's something that they will have to manage. And if they do, and the, the games he's out of the lineup, like they got worse this off season. You know, I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. It's like the, he, the games he's not in, they got worse. I see why they did the deal. I think it makes a lot of sense to me because we saw – Derek White come in and give you the two-way guard play that made Marcus Smart a bit of a redundancy, right? Like that was that's the thought process. Is like Derek White was second team all defense. He gives us a lot of that. He is maybe a better decision maker with the ball in his hands than Marcus is. Yep. And so we're going to give him the keys and that will help us mitigate some of the mistakes that used to get made in this offense when you had Marcus and Jalen and Jason all being the ones with the ball in their hand. That's the idea. Especially end of game. Correct. And so that's, that's the idea. I get the concept, but it only works as Chris Tapps plays because again, you add Chris Tapps to this lineup and then you clear more space inside because especially if you have him and Al out there, you have two bigs that are two of the best, you know, 10 best shooting bigs in the league in terms of, percentage and volume from three and you're clearing the lane for, for Brown and Tatum to be at their best. You have a guy like, I get it. I see the vision totally understand. I'm just afraid that Chris Apps plays 50 games. And if he plays 50 games, do you yeah. want to be over 54 and a half, 53 and a half, I think is out there as well. 
that's a scary proposition just because I think they got worse and thinned out a little bit of depth um, with, with Marcus and Grant gone and basically swapping in Chris Tapps into, into that role. I, they're a really good team. Wouldn't be surprised they win 57 again, but again, it comes down to Chris Tapps health. And for that, it is a stay away for me. So the, the other piece of this is Malcolm Brogdon's health. Uh, can Malcolm awesome. Brogdon play, you know, 60 Six games, 65 yeah. games. Al Horford is getting up there in age. Robert Williams is not a guy that plays a ton of games every year, typically. Yeah. If Robert Williams plays 65 games, he'll probably make an all defense team. Yep. It's just that I don't know that he's going to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. The injury factor here does make this a stay away for me. Yeah. I will just say, I think this team is built to be a regular season juggernaut when they are healthy. Uh, They are going to crush the glass. They are going to crush in terms of shot shot creation. They can all space the floor. Uh, Rob Williams is a phenomenal rim runner and passer and playmaker. Like everything that you could want, in my opinion, is is there for the Celtics to be a regular season juggernaut. Just the health. And for me, because of the health, I think there are better there are better numbers out there are better there are teams out there uh, yeah. for you. We both lean over, but ultimately a stay away. Yeah. Okay. Next up, we have got the Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets, their over under is thirty seven and a half. Hell of a question mark fans. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a big question, right? So the team won 45 games last year. Their expected win total was 43. They had a 115 offensive rating, a 114 defensive rating. Those were both like middle-ish of the pack, if I remember correctly. They had Kevin Durant uh, and Kyrie Irving. For yeah, bottom, bottom third in terms of pace. They did make the playoffs. Uh, they did play a somewhat difficult schedule. But the big thing is that they moved Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Those are 2,800 minutes of Katie and Kyrie that are no longer in this lineup. Last year, just based on the regular season, after the deadline moves, mm-hmm. they were a 36-win pace team. Yeah, And that does not include getting swept by Philly in the playoffs, where if right. you add that into the pace, it gets uglier in a hurry. Sure. Uh, the key additions here this year, Dennis Smith Jr., Lonnie Walker, uh, you're looking at a starting group probably of Spencer Dinwiddie, Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, Dorian Finney-Smith, and Nick Claxton. I believe in all those guys. I believe in Royce O'Neal. I actually believe in Dennis Smith Jr. as a really good backup point guard now. Okay. I have no idea what they have beyond that because I am not a Cam Thomas believer. I'm not really a Dayron Sharp believer. Uh, Lonnie Walker is like a flash guy to me. Solid. Fine as like your 10th guy, but... If yeah. you need him to be more, it's probably not good. Um, yeah, man. I, this one's one that I think I'd lean under kind of for what we were talking about with Atlanta, where like, dude, if, if and like, obviously Bridges is like unbelievably like famously like the healthiest dude in the league, like yeah. plays the game. But even if it's just like, hey, man, we got to go 10 games without Cam Johnson or any time without Nick Claxton. Like if they, if Nick Claxton misses 15, they're, they're games, in, they're in a lot of trouble. Do? If Nick Claxton, what misses do they games. do? I, yeah. 
I think I lean, I, I lean under, I think it's like, I, I think part of it is I don't want to be financially invested in anything happening in Brooklyn. Um, like I don't want to have to be like worried about what this team's doing necessarily on a game to game basis um, to want to invest. But I, I think I lean under because one, I have a lot of overs in the East. Um, Cause I think there's some pretty big, I don't know. For me, there's kind of a clear demarcation of the good teams and the bad teams in the East, yeah. in my opinion. And so I tend to lean over on the good teams and I have a handful of unders as well. This is one that I lean under mostly because again, like behind Nick Claxton, it's really rough in the front court. They are so small. They, you know, the East doesn't have the same bigs as the West. Like you don't get punished quite as much. But they still have Joel Embiid, and you still have Giannis. Still, yeah, yeah. And you have like Bam. Like you, there are there are good bigs. It's just not quite Jokic and AD. And like, it, I feel like maybe you can get away with it a touch more. Um, but yeah, man, it's it's just uh, it, they're small and it, it, it's bad if Claxton misses fifteen games. Yeah. So Cam Johnson, by the way, throughout his career. It hasn't been a guy that's missed games. Yeah, like he played 42 last year. Mm -hmm. Uh, He missed 16 the year before that, missed 12 the year before that, missed 25 during his rookie season, I believe. No, maybe like 15 during his rookie season, something Mm -hmm. like that. Um, Not not been the healthiest guy. Like he probably, you should assume, will miss 15 games. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mikael Bridges, obviously, you should expect him to stay healthy. But yeah. Spencer Dinwiddie is, again, a guy that played 79 games last year, but typically more in the 60s throughout the mm-hmm. course of his career. Uh, getting up there in age as well, will turn 30 this year. Uh, Nick Claxton really is the key. It's the, he's the linchpin in all of it, man. Like, he is – they cannot – they don't – I mean, they're, they're gonna, they would start – they were on sharp. I think they might like have to turn to Ben Simmons, like at center, if <laughs> which that happens. famously Ben loves that idea. Um, yeah. And so, look like ben, ben Simmons, by the way, like played 40 games last year. I don't think people remember that, that he actually like, <laughs> he did play, played a few yeah. games last year, he did. but I, I don't really have much. I don't have a feel for what, he is a player anymore. So I also want to know like what he does to help like a middling team. Yeah. You know, like I think that's part of it. Like I think he's a guy that like on a good team is a, you know, he's like that really good connective piece, two way well, guy. Like the idea and, like, for this we, team is that they should be like one of the five best defensive teams in the league. If Ben Simmons is playing and he's at full health, right? right. Cause you have Mikhail, you have Claxton who was the top five defender last year. You have Dorian Finney Smith. And then you have Simmons who has made multiple defense teams and has been amazing. But again, that like totally falls apart. If Nick Claxton is not there, which is a real issue. So, and I don't know where the offense comes from in this group. Yeah, the problem is you have a lot of the ball in Spencer Dinwiddie's hands, which I don't think is conducive to an efficient offense um, because Spencer Dinwiddie thinks Spencer Dinwiddie shooting is a good idea a lot more than I think is ideal. And yeah, I mean, we're gonna, it's going to be interesting to see how much they put the ball in Mikhail's hands, but that would lead to what I would think to be some growing pains. 
Um, yeah. Like he's going to have, and, and we saw that in the, in the postseason after that, you know, he had the huge first half in game one. And then after that, they put a lot of pressure on his handle. They put, you know, they, they really closed up the space on him and made it hard for him. And it's just going to take a lot of reps for him to get used to that processing speed of being the guy that everybody's focused on. Yeah. And I'm interested to see how that transition goes. Cause that's going to be huge for them long-term, but short-term, I think it, it makes it a little bit tough. Uh, and I'm with I you. Agree. I think the offense gets real murky. I think it gets real murky. This is actually one of my favorites in the East. Okay. This is an under for me. Okay. Uh, I can dig it. Thir- 37 and a half is just way. Uh, that's probably three wins too high for me. Okay. I dig it. Um, Sam, definite over. Robbie, you're going lean over, but stay away. Or lean under, but stay away. Yeah, lean lean under. I don't really want to be invested, but like you could talk me into it. Like I, I like I yeah. like that you're into it. Um, I support it's it. It's just to me like the, the depth beyond a certain point is way too limited. The offense sure. is way too limited, and if if Dorian Finney Smith misses a lot of like misses time, they're in trouble. If yeah. Royce O'Neal and Spencer Dinwiddie get traded at the deadline because they're on expirings, this team's in trouble. So, like, oh, very good th- there are just way more pathways to me for an under here than for an over. Makes I total think. sense to me. Okay. The Charlotte Hornets are up next. Their total is 30.5. Mm-hmm. This is a team mm-hmm. that won 27 games last year, expected win total, according to basketball reference, 26. Mm-hmm. 30th in offense, 20th in defense. From Valentine's Day onward, we're actually sixth in defense. Pace eighth. They did not make the playoffs. They had the second hardest strength of schedule last year. They lose Dennis Smith, Kelly Oubre, 1,500 Jalen McDaniels minutes, 1,600 Mason Plumley minutes. But here's what they get back. They're going to get way more LaMelo Ball minutes, hopefully. Yep. They bring in Miles Bridges. Brandon Miller is there. Cody Martin, if healthy, is there. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I just caught a hanger here, it looks like, with the key additions because Jalen Wilson plays for the Nets. But this is a starting lineup Mm. with LaMelo Ball, Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward, Miles Bridges, and a center. Used Mm. to be Mason Plumlee. Mm. That won over 40 games Mm. together. And then you still have P.J. Washington – Whatever they decide to do, do you start small with PJ? Do you start big with Mark Williams? My guess is that they start small. Brandon Miller is now in the mix as like a shot creator off the bench. Cody Martin, Martin brings depth. Nick, Nick Richards has turned into like solid third pretty, big, pretty nice. Yeah, third big like backup third center. center. Yeah, yeah. JT Thor actually played like okay minutes last year. Brooklyn there should call Charlotte. Of- <laughs> like, I'm just saying, Brooklyn should call Charlotte about one of these guys. I kind of think so too. This is, I I think thirty and a half is probably too low. Yeah, to I'm me. over on I'm over on Charlotte. Um, so why? Those are I, for all the things you just said. I mean, like this was a team that won twenty seven. I mean, the defense with Mark Williams last year was really good in the second half of the year. Like there was a stretch after the All Star break where they were just like mowing teams down defensively, which they have, which has never been a thing. But like. You know, that is a that's a Steve Clifford ideal is like and it, it seems like maybe yeah. something started to click in terms of what he wants them to do. 
carry that over. Obviously, like, can they keep doing that with Lamelo at the point of attack? Um, can he be engaged and you know do the things that they want there? Certainly a question. But also, like, you're inserting a 2010 guy just like right back in there. Who put how many how many games did he play a year ago? Like 30 something, 27, 30. It was not a lot. 37. I don't not know. a lot. He got he got hurt three set like he hurt that angle like three separate times. So yeah. one, of, one of which was stepping on the fan's foot. By the way, I do remember that. Um, hopefully he does not do that. But yeah, I mean, and like look like part of the handicap last year on the Hornets under when we took it was they lost their second best player yeah. because Miles Bridges was an idiot and did a terrible, horrible thing. We have done the discussion of they probably like. They shouldn't have brought him back, but yeah. they did. And from a basketball standpoint, he unquestionably makes them a better basketball team. Yeah, and I I just think this is low. I'm with you. I think they are they they have the potential. Pending again, Lamelo being on the floor more, they have the potential to be in that like nine ten seed hunt for sure. So. For me. I'm definitely a lean over here. The only reason that I probably would not take this is because I'm very interested to see what the combination of Steve Clifford and LaMelo Ball looks like over the course of a full season mm-hmm. and how this defense looks without, frankly, like Dennis Smith. Dennis Smith was amazing yeah. defensively last year. Yeah. He was so unbelievably good. And now they're starting LaMelo, probably Terry Rozier. You could do something like LaMelo, Rozier, Bridges, Washington, Williams. You could do something like LaMelo, Hayward, Bridges, Washington, Williams with Rozier off the bench. I don't know what they're going to do in terms Mm -hmm. of this. But I have enough just like hesitation. I don't even want to say concern. Like I'm just like Mm -hmm. hesitating because I want to see more of what the LaMelo Clifford combination looks like, because to me, they're like almost, they're so different in terms of their basketball ideals. Like Steve Clifford is a like high level rotational defensive coach. Uh, LaMelo ball is a running gun point guard is a vibes guy. (laughs) Yeah. You would never say Steve Clifford's a vibes guy. No, you would not. Great as he is. <laughs> so I think this isn't over. If only because they won 27 last year, they're going to get a crazy number more of LaMelo minutes, you know, exponentially more Miles Bridges minutes, and they bring in Brandon Miller, who will be something useful. Yeah. Cody Martin was hurt last year as well. Cody Martin is like a valuable rotation player in the NBA. Yep. I think that this is an over. It might be one that we put down on the um, the final the final list. Yeah, yeah. This is definitely one for you, right? This is one for me. So between between the Nets and the Hornets, we each have one. Yeah. Okay. Um, with a with a lean for. So we're at least in agreement. It's just the strength of the agreement is a little different. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Next up, we have got the Doubles. Chicago Bulls. Yep. Bulls won 40 games last year. Their over-under win total is 37 and a half for this year. They were expected mm. to win 44 based off of how good their defense was, actually. They were mm. a plus 1.3 team in terms of net rating. 
that ended up with a losing record. Uh, they had the fifth best defense in the league. They had the 24th best offense in the league. Uh, they were middle of the pack in pace. They lost in the play in game. Uh, they won the first one, lost in the second one. Yeah. Uh, you know, Middle of the pack strength of schedule. They lose Patrick Beverly, Goran Dragic, Derek Jones Jr. They bring in Javon Carter and Torrey Craig. Mostly just running this back with Javon Carter is what's happening. And here's here's my issue. Okay, tell me. The Bulls last year had among the fewest games missed due to injury of any mm. team in the league. Mm-hmm. DeMar DeRozan played 74. Zach Levine played 77. Vucevic and Pat Williams played all 82. Mm-hmm. Iotsumu played 80. Alex Caruso played 67. Kobe White played 74. Mm-hmm. Like, and, uh, the, the hope for your improvement, if you're the Bulls here, is on mm-hmm. offense. Mm-hmm. You're hoping that the offense gets better. Mm-hmm. I just, with that many games played between their best players Mm -hmm. when you basically just decided to run it back where does the offense improve to because like the odds are they're not going to stay that healthy again if only because teams don't stay that healthy typically throughout the course of a year in today's nba yeah i i'm with you i i I think this is to me it feels just a touch low but like i understand like the injury thing is is legit um and like they are Demar missing. I think Demar especially because of how much they run stuff through him and how much of a like crazy like for what he does, he's a crazy efficient hub in the in the mid post. Um and like it's just a thing that they can always go to. And when he's out of the lineup, they are more variable uh and yeah. don't have that kind of safety blanket if you will, of like De- DeMarco make a shot over somebody, which he does like half the time. Like he shoots a crazy percentage on those shots. So I'm with you, but also again, like kind of like what I was saying with Trey, like DeMar at this point plays a pretty floor bound game. Um, Levine's the guy, obviously that is, I think more likely to get hurt just the way he plays, but DeMar's pretty floor bound at this point. Um, and likes to, you know, work in the post and do all that. And so, like, obviously he's older, so you have the injury risk, but I think the way he plays and the play style he plays now mitigates a lot of that. Um, yeah. Like, he's not trying – and part of that's the pace, right? Like, he's not running up and down the floor. He's not flying around. He is operating a lot in, you know, isolation situations and a lot in post situations and, like, isn't – putting himself in a lot of harm's way doing that. Um, kind of like what I was talking about with Trey. And so that's kind of one thing that I, I believe in. And then I'm also like firmly in the Javon Carter hive and have been yeah. since West Virginia. Uh, and he was great in Milwaukee. And I think he is yeah. an upgrade over Patrick Beverly. And I think what he, what they have. And like, I think the vision is like, they're like, okay, we built this team to play with Lonzo ball. Right. Like we yeah. built this team to work with Lonzo Ball. Okay. We don't have that. And like Javon definitely doesn't replace the off the the vision and the passing and that sort of thing. No question. However, if you have him and Alex Caruso, you have 48 minutes of really good guard defense. 
yeah. really good point of attack defense, which I think is so key when we talk about how good their defense was. That to me is like what they continue to upgrade by moving Javon into the Patrick Beverly role is like, to me, they say, this is what we are. This is what we have to be, to be good. And like, I see that vision of what they're doing. And like, I like that a lot. I like what they've done with that. And I I like the vision, but I understand again, like we just talk about defense and like how much more room do they have to grow defensively? They just finished talking. No, I just, I just think you're, I just think you're, but I'm just saying, I don't see like the, I don't see like a lot of regression coming in that, in that realm. So like, if you can stay top five, you can still win 38 games. But like if, if Vooch and DeMar regress just by virtue of being like in their thirties, right? Mm -hmm. Like Vooch is going to be 33. DeMar Mm -hmm. is, you know, going to be 34. Right. Mm -hmm. There's a real chance that both of those guys have some sort of defensive regression, even beyond what we've seen from them previously. And those guys are going to play 30 minutes pop each. Sure. And I also like, here's the other thing. I also think there's a chance they just have to like, kind of blow this up if they start out poorly. That's Mars on the table, but like Caruso is as valuable as he's ever going to be right now. If this team starts badly and Pat Williams is a restricted free agent, we have no idea like what's going on there in terms of that negotiation. Sure. So, like, if this team starts, you know, like 18 and 24 or something, mm-hmm. they they might blow it up. Like, to me, there are just more – there are more avenues toward this going very, very poorly than there are toward this going very well. That is a good point. I will give you, like – but – I. I guess part of my argument against that is like everybody's been wanting them to blow it up for a year and a half and they just won't. And so it's like, are they, I guess the question is like, what's DeMar get in the trade market? Like, does he get them what they would want in return? Like, is anybody giving you the draft picks for DeMar on an expiring? Like, I guess that, that goes into the part of the calculus is like, yeah. Can they trade those guys for like? Because I think I think if they could, they probably already would have. You know, like would I think they have? If, I, to maybe. me, like the Lakers, like probably should have gone for Demar Derozan, right? Like, yeah, like there are well, teams out there that like they don't have any picks to trade. Again, that's what I'm saying. It's like there's just no none of the teams that would want Demar have assets to send Chicago that would send them maybe. into like a rebuilding. I, phase. I think that they want to compete. Like the, I well, think they that definitely their goal, want to compete. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think they wanted to move to Mar. Like, I think they want to keep him and Levine together. And right. look, like, ultimately, this is kind of a stay away from me because I have enough respect for DeMar and Levine to yeah. where I'm just like, look, they can probably get to 37. I also think Pat Williams, we haven't mentioned Pat really all that much. No. Pat is an awesome defender now. And like, if he ever takes a leap offensively, he's going to be a really valuable player. Sure. I love Javon Carter. I love Alex Caruso. Like, they have so many dudes on this team that I really like. I just don't love the direction. So this is the, this know. is the problem for me. Is like I look, yeah. I'm like I look at, and I, I trust me. I I'm not gonna sit here and say like this is a team that's a playoff team, but I just look around the East and it's like 
all the other teams in the same realm of win totals, like I think they're like they're, I think they're better than Brooklyn. I guess is I agree. kind of what I'm saying. Like I think they're better than yeah, Brooklyn. And like, so I look around and I'm like, all right, like of this group of teams in this kind of like mid to high 30s, like one of them's going to probably get to 40. And I think Chicago for me is the most likely to do it. Um, okay. That's my argument. It's a lean. It's not a full play, but it's just a lean over for me on Chicago. All right. We disagree. Let's go. Yeah. I'm leaning under on this. I'm not, this is a stay away from me for yeah. sure. Yeah. I mean, but, I like, I like how our disagreement is like, don't bet it, but like we'll lean the other way. But yeah. it's, I mean, like, okay. I just, I'd like to be optimistic about the bulls. I don't know why. I don't know. I, don't, I really don't. I have no affinity for the bulls at all. Other than like, I just like a lot of the guys on this team and I kind of want them to do well. You've been last dance pilled, Robbie. That's what happened. That's it. Okay. Uh, Let's take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back and we're going to move through these teams. All right, Robbie. We're here and we're going to talk about the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Cleveland Cavaliers. They're over under is 50.5. I've seen it lower than this for what it's 49 and a half. Yeah. Uh, They won 51 games last year. They were expected to win 55 last year based on their point differential. Uh, Ninth best offense, best defense in the league. They played the slowest pace in the league. Uh, They were a playoff team that lost in the first round to the New York Knicks. And you know what happened this offseason? They won they more games. Yeah, they won more games last year than what this over-under is. And they went out and got better yeah. this offseason. Yeah. They bring in Max Struess. They bring in George Niang. I think Ty Jerome is like semi-valuable on some level. Uh, this should be a better team than what they were last year when they won 51 games. I talked about this on the uh, show I did uh, earlier this week with Adam Spinella. This is to me, I think they have a good chance to be the top seed in the East. Wow. Okay. Evan Mobley is going to get better. They have actual shooters now around mm-hmm. Mitchell and Garland. They are built to be a regular season juggernaut because Agreed of their it. defense. I'm Agreed. not saying that this is going to be like an incredible playoff team. Sure, 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 sure. Although they might, they probably will be better now because they have shooters. Mm-hmm. But I think they are a team built to be a regular season juggernaut. With Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, Evan Mobley's improvement that will come throughout the course of this year. Mm-hmm. Jared Allen continuing to be one of the 10 or so, 15 best defensive players in the league. Evan Mobley was a finalist for defensive player of the year last year. Mm-hmm. Karis Levert is their sixth man. George Yang was a valuable bench player for the Sixers who hits 40% and fills a real need. Isaac Okoro has gotten better. It's kind of gone under the radar, but sure. like he keeps getting a little bit better every year. Yeah, it was just a tough playoffs. They're that they're deep. Like Sam, Sam Merrill can play. Like he should have won MVP of Summer League. Like there are mm-hmm. real dudes here on this team. This is an over. This is a definite over for me. I am in on the Cavs this year. I dig the over. I think they need to consolidate some of that wing stuff into maybe another big. Um, like Damian Jones. Okay. Uh I think they just they just need to add one more big guy just for 
especially against those teams that just kind of like bruise you. Um, I just think they could use a body uh, that they, that they just don't yeah. have right now. Uh, and they just have, they have so many guards, you know, Rubio's not playing this year. Um, but like they have, they have so many guards and wings. I think they could use maybe a, a consolidation move at the deadline just to add a, add a big. Um, but I'm with you. That's a, to me, that's as much a playoff look ahead move as anything, because you can go small, um, and play just one of your bigs and, you know, do all that if you need to. But I, I think they do need to add a little bit of depth there, but I'm with you. I think it's an over, um, definitely seek out that 49 and a half if you can, just because why leave a win on the table. Um, yeah. but yeah, I mean, the thing is, yeah, I, they added better players than the guy, like all the guys that went out, they got better players over them, right? Like yes. Max Roos over Jetty, George Niang over Lamar, Ty Jerome over Raul Neto. Like, okay, like you, you got better um, and you have guys who, you know, they were, they were pretty healthy last year, but like, again, like not a lot of guys with a lot of like red flags where it was like a weirdly healthy year. Um, and like you said, just a lot more depth this year on the wing that you can, you feel like you can trust. Um, to me, I think what they did really smartly was like, and this is in a much different realm, I think, than what Denver is because they don't have a Jokic. But what Denver did last year in realizing like we need to kind of consolidate some of this, you know, regular season guys that aren't doing anything playoff time. We're going to consolidate it into two guys who have playoff history, right? They went out, they got uh, Contavious Caldwell Pope, Bruce Brown. Like we know these guys can play and we know we can trust them in the playoffs. Well, that's what they did when they went out and got Max Struess, who we've seen in the playoffs. Uh, he can be a, you know, he, he's a willing shooter. He's a good shooter. He's a guy that's going to draw attention, but also we've seen when he goes cold in the playoffs, he still can impact positively yeah. like he did with Miami. I think that was a big thing is like adding a guy who isn't just a one trick pony. Um, they have a lot of guys who are like, okay, he scores. What happens if he's not scoring? He can't be on the floor. Yes. He defends. What happens if they just go to a guy he's not defending? He can't shoot. He can't be on the floor. Like the biggest thing they did was they added, you know, a guy in Struess who can play. And that's obviously a, a postseason thing, but I think it's going to be big for them in the regular season too, is they aren't going to be as reliant on figuring out who has it on any given night, right? Like, yeah. From their wing rotation last year, they had to be like, is this a Jetty night? Is this a Lamar night? Is it, you know, is this a Karis night? Is this an Okoro night? Like, who's got it? Yeah. I think you you mitigate a lot of that where JB can just go, all right, like, you don't have it, you're not in the rotation night. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what happened with Dean Wade for the most mm-hmm. part. Like, they were just like, yep, we're just going to shun you to the end of the bench, and that's good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think the Cavs are great. I am excited about this. I don't need to spend a lot more time on them. Let's like go. I've talked about them. I feel like ad nauseum. Let's kind of let's go on. I am in on the Cavs. The next team is the Detroit Pistons. 28 and a half is their number. They only won 17 last year. <laughs> this is a this is the second lowest number available of any team. And it's, it's a, still an 11 win point. increase. <laughs> On what they were last year. They were expected to win 22 based on their point differential. Uh Middle of the pack in terms of pace. 
Uh-huh. Bottom three in both offense and defense. Uh-huh. They played the toughest, toughest schedule last year. It happens when you're the worst team. Changed, yes. They changed <laughs> coaches. Yep. From Dwayne Casey to Monty Williams. That's the biggest adjustment here. Yep. On the court, a lot of Kate. Kate Cunningham only played 400 minutes last year. Yep. Yep. The hope sure. is that he will play 2,400 minutes this year. Correct. They also bring in Monte Morris, who is a steady hand as a backup guard. Their guard play last year was an abomination offensively mm-hmm. last. Like there's just no, there, there's no case for them having played some of the guys that they played uh, last season. Mm-hmm. Do you know who played the second most minutes for the Detroit Pistons last year, Robbie? Corey Joseph. Uh, Killian Hayes. Do you see oh, Killian no. Hayes anywhere no, no, no. on the rotation for this Detroit Pistons team? That's you tough. do not. That's tough. So here's my case for why I think this could be an over. And uh-huh. my immediate lean is over. A, I think Cade Cunningham is a star, and I think he's probably worth seven or eight wins on his own comparatively. Okay. okay. B, their bench is going to be good. Like, you pair Monty Morris with Alec Burks, Joe Harris, Asar Thompson, hopefully on defense. He should be able to get some minutes. And then they have some other guys like Marcus Sasser. They have Isaiah Livers. This is a deep team. The bench should be way, 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 way better, in my opinion. And that is how you end up winning regular season games, being a deeper team that can handle some things. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think it's a stay away just because yeah. it's such a big leap. Like, that's my biggest thing. It's such a big leap. I, I get all of it because, yes, like if you are if you are replacing uh, Killian Hayes and Corey Joseph minutes with Cade Cunningham and Monty Morris minutes, you have made a tremendous, tremendous upgrade. Um, I'm a Jaden Ivey believer. I think yep. he needs more structure. Uh and Cade and Monty will provide that. Um, I think he will have a better sophomore year just simply by playing next to someone like Cade uh, and for a coach like Monty Williams. I think it will be very good for him. I like him a lot. I don't know what the hell they're doing in the front court. I really, truly have no idea what this information is. Yeah, that. That's the big thing that worries me is center defense because Jalen Duran, as I've said on the show before, really struggled last year defensively. Uh-huh. Uh, James Wiseman can't defend. Marvin no. Bagley can't defend. No. I think Isaiah Stewart's really good defensive or like is good defensively at least. Uh-huh, but he's never but, been on the center. I wonder if he does at times, to be honest. Like, uh, I mean, like maybe, but like I, they definitely pay them to, to be on there somewhere. But like, I just, I just, I don't know. My question is, so here's, here's the question I have for you. Like how much does this front office want to see James Meisman on the floor? It's a great question. Like and how much, they, because, because they have to decide about paying him. Uh, no, they don't. <laughs> well, I mean, but, but I'm just, but I'm just saying like, like you, you, I know they didn't trade much of anything for him, but it's like, yeah. but you make that trade and knowing what we know, they, they did move Troy Weaver. Like knowing like, what we know about Troy Weaver and how he likes to kind of reclaim a former highly touted recruit. 
Like, how much do they want to see if they have something there? Because they have to make a decision on these guys soon, right? Like, they have to make a decision on on Jalen and, and James and and Marvin. And like, I know people are like, "Oh, well, what decision is there?" But like, they they brought him in kind of for a reason. And I think they want to see if maybe something's there, and maybe Monty will be like, "No, it's not," because um, we know Monty doesn't exactly suffer fools. Um, and so, like, I'm interested to see yeah. that dynamic with this whole team. But I, I'm just. Like, I'm with you. Like, if they trim the rotation down, yeah, they could go for thirty something wins, you know. But like, I don't think they necess- the 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 concern for the over and the reason why to me it's a stay away is if this is still a team trying to evaluate everything they have, and thus, and I think it is, and I th- and I think so, and thus is going to have games where they're just like. Okay, like we're going to see what James has for more minutes. We're going to see what Marvin ha- we're going to, you know, Alser is going to get heavy burn even if he's not shooting it for anything and not contributing. Like I just think there's a lot of tinkering that happens that is not conducive to winning. And yeah. I know what you're saying. This is why to me it's a stay away. It's too high for me to be like, yeah, let's go. I, I get the argument because I think you can talk me into this being similar to what Orlando went through last year. Yeah. Like a similar like step forward where like our guys are healthy. We have a top six, seven that makes sense. But yeah. my concern is like, how deep do they stretch it? If they're stretching it 10, 12 deep, then you've got a problem here. Yeah. Anyway. What is your lean? At 20, 20, there's a 27 and a half out there. I think maybe I lean. Ugh. I'll, I'll lean over with you. Let's be optimistic. I don't know. I'm also, you kind of talked me, you kind of talked me into the over. I I was, this, this has just been a firm stay away for me. They're deep. They can shoot. You've talked me into this being like the Killian Hayes argument is very strong. Um, That is, that truly is. Incredible upgrade. Um, yeah, going you. from two do they trade, minutes, do they trade Bojan at the deadline though? Yeah, great question. Like, all, really do they good. trade Monte Morris? Like, do they move? It's possible they could move these guys. It's a right. pure stay away from me. Like, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm with you. Like, there's Harris, just too many balls in the Burks, air. Like, they, they seem to have kind of like collected some expirings that they can be like, we can move Let's them move if on. we need to. Firm stay away. But I, let's let's be optimistic. Let's lean over. Why not? I'm with you. Indiana Pacers are next, Robbie. Yeah, man. Pacers won 35 games, and uh-huh. they were on pace for many more than that before Tyrese Halliburton went down. Uh-huh. Their over-under win total this year is 38 and a half. They were yeah. expected to win 33 in total. They had the 19th best offense, 26th best defense. They did not make the playoffs third toughest strength of schedule in the league. Didn't really lose much, just O'Shea Brissett nope. and Chris Duarte, who by the end of the year were like on the fringes of the rotation. Yep. And they bring in Bruce Brown, Obi Toppin, Jarris Walker, Ben Shepard. Look, I'm not totally sure what the starting lineup's going to look like. I projected like Halliburton healed Bruce Brown, Obi Toppin, Miles Turner. I think there's a chance Andrew Nemhard is starting. Like, I think there's a chance they start Matherin. Like, th- yeah, there's a chance Matherin that, like, to the there's four. chance Jarris Walker just like beats out Obi Toppin for the four spot. I sure. think. And like, they roll there's some weird. They can roll some weird stuff out too. I like yeah. this team's funky. I like this team. 
they are a funky team in the best possible way. Yeah, man. I think this number is basically dead on in terms 100%. of how good they are. Hundred percent. There's a thirty-seven and a half <laughs> out there. Uh, hundred. Here's the thing: this is a better basketball team than they were last year. I think I have like a handful of teams that I think are better that might not win a ton more games, like yeah. because there's just the a league lot is. Of- Deeper and the talent has been more dispersed Uh across the league Uh than what it has been previously. It's just like, like I look at a lot of teams. I'm like, man, like I like this team. And then I look at the number. I start trying to figure out who they go ahead of, you know, that's really my biggest thing when I do win totals is I'm like, all right, like Pacers 37 and a half. Like maybe that maybe they are better than the bulls and I'm wrong. Um, and it's possible that they are like they're they certainly have a ceiling that's higher than that, but it's like I I don't know exactly what happens with some of this. Like, do do they finally move Buddy at some point? Like, is that finally going to happen after what three yeah. years on the block? Like, um, Miles, I think if Miles they move designed? Buddy, it's because Matherin and Nemhard like yeah pop yeah yeah. Which I'm a I'm a Ben guy. I went up, I did the cover on him. I'm in like the dude's impressive. Um, I think he's going to figure some things out year two, a little more. I like the Obi Toppin move. Like it makes it like, here's the thing. Uh, Obi has no more excuses because this is the exact play style he wants to be playing. And it's the exact front court partner that he needs with miles Turner, who can space space the floor. You can have Obi just run ball screens with Tyrese Halliburton and get spoon fed lobs all day he can cut also now have an awesome short roll opportunity guy with bruce brown if they Mm -hmm. blitz tyrese halliburton Mm -hmm. this is like they have built almost a perfect roster offensively for tyrese halliburton to take advantage of how good he is yeah i i like a lot of what they've done i you can talk me into the you could talk me into a ceiling on this team of like 42 wins and threatening like you, like not maybe not even yeah. say, but you could talk me you could talk me into this team like threatening at the the seven you know yeah. range like they, there's a lot of good stuff that could happen there also could be just you know young guys sometimes just don't take the leap that we think they're going to take and they are kind of reliant on a number of those guys like we're kind of relying on Obi taking a taking a leap just being in a better situation on on a really good you know team that seems to fit what he wants to do you know Nemhart had a great rookie year like does he take a step forward does he kind of spin the tires ben the same thing um Jerace, like does he pop is he is he kind of in the rotation is he out of the rotation like how does all this work yeah but like in theory they could have a lot of depth it's just it's very, it's a very young team, and and that tends to be a highly variable thing in the regular season with lots of ups and downs. And so I think there's going to be stretches where they're going to win like five, six straight games, and you're going to go, damn, look at the Pacers. And then there's going to be stretches where they might go two and eight in ten, um, and it just looks rocky. But I mean, Halliburton is a star, uh, and if he's healthy, um, I think I'd probably lean over. But I, I, I. This number is really good at 38 and a half. I think the number is really good. The thing that they did is they should be better than 26th defensively this year with Bruce Brown. Yeah. 
and Miles Turner in the lineup yeah. and Jarris Walker playing hopefully like 15 minutes a night. Yeah. They should be a little bit better on defense. With Ty- Tyrese, they should be better than 19th on offense. Like, yeah. it's a lean over, but it is a stay away from me. Like, yeah. I-, I can't totally sell myself on taking yeah. the number. I think it's, I think this team competes for a playoff spot, like pretty, in a pretty. If you can get here's what I'll say, here's what I would seek out. Go get, go get, um, go get you a Pacers versus Nets Pacers play. They got the same win total. Go get you Indiana against Brooklyn. I would do that. I like that one. Okay, next up the Miami Heat. We're not going to spend a lot of time on the Miami Heat. Because we just have no idea what this roster is going to look like. Uh, they are very clearly in the Damian Lillard sweepstakes. Their sure over-under is 48 and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, their expected win total last year was 40. And then they went out and made the NBA Finals. Uh, they lose Max Struess and Gabe Vincent. They bring in Jaime Jaquez and Josh Richardson. I mean, they still have Jimmy Butler and Bam. Those guys are absolute studs. I think if anything, the number is high, but then if they go and get Damian Lillard, the number is probably low. Like this is, this is an impossible number to even the most stay away, the most stay away of all stay aways here. Uh, Yeah. Just the, the thing, I guess like my thing is if they get Dame, I guess my question is like, if they get Dame, does this number move? Or is Dame just completely yes. baked into this? Yeah, no. The number will go higher. They the, the number will be fifty if they get Dame. So the number number will be higher. I'm saying like at least fifty if they get Dame. Yeah. So I guess do with that what you will. I have depth concerns about this team, but they tend to just find guys who yeah. become depth. Like Orlando Robinson was awesome at summer league. Like they they just figure it out. They, 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 devil magic, uh, down there in Miami. Nicole, Nikola Jovic is like awesome right now at the World Cup. Jovic looks great. Jaime Jaquez was like written in the stars as a Miami Heat player coming out of college. Like, you, I think everybody was like, well, yeah, duh. Like, when, <laughs> when that pick, everybody was like, hey, this might be a little high for Jaime, but then they were like, but it's Miami, so it's a perfectly good pick. You know, it was like one of those things. Josh Richardson was good last year and he's just back. So I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, the firmest, yeah. firmest of stay aways. Cause like if it takes them a while to get Dame, this is high. If they get Dame day one, it might be a little low. Who knows? Let's move on. It's Oops. just like not worth Yay. breaking down and evaluating this one. This is one we can spend a shorter amount of time on so that that's, we zoom through this a little good. bit quicker. That's good for me. The Milwaukee Bucks, 53 and a half is their over under win total. They won 58 last year. Uh, their expected win total, though, was, I believe, actually only 50, uh-huh. which is a bit surprising. Uh-huh. Uh, 12th best offense, fourth best defense, 10th in pace. They made the playoffs, but they lost to Miami in the first round. That they did. Mike Budenholzer is gone. Uh-huh. Javon Carter, Joe Ingles, Wes Matthews are all gone. Malik Beasley, Andre Jackson, Robin Lopez are in, and Adrian Griffin is in. And if you listen to some of the things about Adrian Griffin, he's saying that he wants to play a little bit more up-tempo. He wants to play with a little bit more ball movement, wants to play uh, 
just like a bit stylistically different to what Bud did. Yeah. And some of the signs are like a little bit concerning to me uh-huh. in terms of not maximizing Giannis with shooting around him. The thing is that they've built so many, they've built this group like to where almost everybody on the team can shoot outside of Giannis. Yep. It's just that I I would like to see more of Adrian Griffin as a coach before I have any feel on this number. That's fair. Um, Yeah. I mean, for years, just, we just smashed the bucks over because, bud like he just had the formula like we talk about regular season juggernauts and like the bucks were the poster child right like every year as long as they were borderline healthy and even when they weren't healthy they were really good you know like they can miss chris middleton for a big chunk and still just rattle off wins uh basically the only guys they can't miss are Giannis and brooke um, everybody else, they're pretty malleable to be able to kind of navigate. Obviously, long term, you know, Drew is very important, especially because they have thinned out the guard rotation by losing Javon and not really replacing him with anybody. Um, that I think is my biggest concern is they were getting good guard minutes for 48 minutes a night last year in the yeah. regular season, like with Drew and Javon. And you're gonna put the ball in Grayson Allen's hands a lot more. Um, I, I, who else is going to have, who else would, would be running back up point Pat? That's not good. So they uh, just signed Ty Ty Washington to a two way deal. And I'm yep. wondering if it might be him. Also Andre Jackson can like kind of run a little bit of point like, but it's okay. a, again, like rookie second year guys. It's not, it's not, it's not great behind drew. And like, I'm not like Grayson Allen solid, but like, I don't really love him. Oh, point. I think they'd probably run Middleton at point. Yeah, that's it. Probably Chris running the second unit probably happens a lot more. But yeah, I mean, like there's there's legit questions, and like we and the thing is, is like again, like we just don't know what Adrian Griffin wants out of this team and what exactly he's going to do. I'm with you. I think this is a stay away for me. My initial thought when I saw this number is I was like, especially because there's a 52 and a half out there. I was like, oh yeah, over bucks 52 and a half over they just do this but yeah i think there could be some hiccups and i don't love the guard rotation um and like yeah anytime brooke if brooke can't play for 20 games you know that's a real problem defensively um yeah to to me this is a lean under actually and a stay away because, like, I think they could stay just away. blow past this, but like, oh, okay. absolutely could. It, it is honest. a lean under for me. Yeah, I don't love the vibes out in Milwaukee right now. Like, just like in a complete like non-analytical framework. Like, I just it, it just doesn't seem good right now. They are. I don't love. It seems weird. More really than anything. strange. Like, I don't. I'm not. I don't. I don't like it. So. um I, sh- I I think I'll join you. I think uh, again, like my initial thought was just like straight up, like I was like just defaulted to bucks over. But yeah, the more I look and, at it, the more I think about it, the the more concerned I am about what's going on there, and just concerned that there's going to be more 
more variance than what we've seen from them. Like they're just, they were just a team that you could just rely on. And like, that's the other thing is I'm interested to see is like, does playing a different style, like, do they, are they willing to just revert back to what they do end of games? Yeah. Wins that won them so many games over expected last year, or are they trying shit in the fourth quarter and losing games? Because the balls, the balls do it. You know, they're doing something else. The ball's just not, Giannis go be a freight train, you know, like if they're trying things, cause we saw that the year they won the title, I think they went under because they were trying stuff in the regular season with, Bud. yeah, that yeah. was the one year they went under was they were out there like running new sets and they were like trying to figure out how to do new things. And it, and like Giannis is a very creature, a habit guy. And it takes, I think, a while for him to really like embrace a change. Like he didn't want Jason Kidd gone for Christ's sake. Like he really just kind of likes things the way they were. And I'm interested to see how he embraces some new stuff. And this is not like, a, oh, Jan's going to ask. Like I don't want to get into any of the weird stuff there. But I'm just saying, no, like, I, I don't. I don't think it's that at all. Yeah, I'm just interested to see how he adapts to something new because he's just he, he can. He's obviously skilled enough to do a lot, but it's like, he also is very comfortable doing what he does. And I think has a very strong belief that what he does works. And I'm really interested to see how that dynamic plays out because I think they knew they do come playoff time, need to have some more variance in what they do. We've seen that they're too easy to just plan for, but it does make the regular season more tricky because teams can't plan for it in the regular season. It's much easier in a seven game series to plan and, and scheme for it. And the other thing is too, frankly, like, did they just like give guys rest and sick guys mm-hmm. as well? Like that's a real potential outcome here. And by the way, they won 58 last year with Chris Middleton playing 33 games. Right. It's not so, like, again. And that's what I'm saying is like, they can with, withstand pretty much any of their perimeter guys. Like they, they tended to just be able to make it happen, but yeah. obviously Giannis is different and Brooke, especially just because of what he does for their defense. We saw the year that he was hurt. That yeah, and, and Brooke played division. 78 last year. Like, I, yeah. if I'm them, like, I don't want Brooke Lopez playing 78 games. Yeah, probably. Next yeah. year. I'm um, interested because, yeah, I, I'm interested to see if they look at what happened in the playoff series last year and say, like, we maybe don't need to be killing ourselves for home court. Yeah. All the way through. Yeah. No, I we'll mean, there, there's just a lot of variables, I think, yeah. is the way to put it. Like, yeah, I think I think you're right. Yeah. And I think it's a, it's a lean under, but a stay away from me. Yeah. Next up, the New York Knicks. The New York Knicks win total over under is 44 and a half. They won 47 last year. Their expected win total was 48. They had the mm-hmm. third best offense, the 19th best defense. Uh, their pace was 25th. They won sure. a round in the playoffs last year. Sure did. And they basically ran it back, traded yeah. Obi Toppin for Dante. They got Josh Hart near the end of the year last year. Mm-hmm. Robbie, this is like a this is a, this is a thing of beauty. This number, this, this, is, this is an over. Oh, 100 percent. This is teed this up is for like, an over. Tom Thibodeau is not going to finish 19th in defense again. <laughs> no, he's he's disgusted. Uh, Tom Thibodeau that. might walk out if they finish 19th again in defense. Dude, this like, this was this is I have one all caps over on my East, and it is the New York Knickerbockers. And we are hammering it. Um, Don again, kind of like we were saying, Dante for Obi is a huge upgrade for what Tibbs wants to do. 
like for what and for what they need. Like Obi Toppin was redundant in pretty much every lineup he played in. And like I get why Knicks fans kind of wanted to see him and like I there were certain times where it was working really well with him and like he would pop for a game or two. But it, like it just it, doesn't work it, with Mitch. It problem. doesn't work with Mitch. It's he's redundant with Julius because they, they want to operate in the same areas of the floor. Yeah. And he couldn't space the floor because he just he he's an okay corner shooter, but like a guy that you kind of put there not to be a real threat and nobody defended him like a real threat. And like Josh Hart, if he'll ever shoot, that's the biggest question with Josh Hart is like, he's a good shooter who won't shoot. Like he doesn't remember that he's a 38% shooter now. Like he just like in the playoffs, there were times where you were just like, Josh, like put the ball up, man. And he, he won't shoot if it's not wide open, which maybe is why he shoots 38%. But yeah, man. I mean, this is just a really good team. They've got good depth. Hardenstein's a really good backup big for Mitch. Like they should, they can just run out two very solid bigs. Uh, I thought that was kind of a sneaky underrated signing last summer. Um, was them bringing him in a full season of Josh Hart? Like Josh, like Josh Hart is a Fibs guy through and through, right? Like that is like totally. Fibs would die for Josh Hart in a way he would die for like Jimmy Butler. Like obviously Josh Hart's not as good of a player as Jimmy Butler, but like just the things he does on the floor, he's like Josh Hart is very liable at the end of any given game to have more assists and rebounds than he does points. And that is exactly what this Knicks team needs because they, they need guys who don't want to score. And sometimes again, like I said, he won't shoot. And like, I'd like to see him shoot a little more when he has catch and shoot opportunities. But otherwise, that's exactly what this team needs sometimes. Dante, uh, solid season in Golden State, just a really good addition in terms of another guy who can knock down shots, which they desperately need off the bench. They just needed more guys who could shoot. Um, I still like Emmanuel Quickly. I, I, Emmanuel Quickly is an awesome defender who is turning into a really good offensive player. Yeah. Like, Quentin Grimes is a perfect three and D guy. Josh Hart is an awesome, like do everything. Except RJ Barrett, I think is going to come out of this world cup feeling really good in a way that he hasn't coming into a seat. Like, I think, you know, when we talk about guys who are having, you know, going to be feeling good coming off a world cup, like RJ Barrett, like, I mean, his dad runs, his dad runs Canada basketball. Like, even if it's just like the team doing well, he's going to have such a weight lifted off of his shoulders. Cause for so many years, he was going to be the hope, right? Like he was supposed to be the guy. It wasn't supposed to be like Shay. Like he was supposed to be the guy, even if it isn't him doing it. If they make the finals, I think there's a weight taken off of him in the, in the, in a way and just a positivity that he can carry into a season. And he had moments last year where he looked really good. Um, Julius is really good in the regular season. We know that this is not a, we're not debating what they're going to do in the playoffs. Cause I have a lot of questions still there. But for the regular season, but in the regular season, this this Hammer. team might win fifty. Hammer down, season. Hammer down. Yeah, like this Let's is go. this is going to be a really good regular season team. Yeah. Uh, I have no no qualms about the New York Knicks. This is a definite over for both of us. Let's yeah. move forward. The Orlando Magic, thirty six and a half number looks right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, they won Here's another team last year. Another team expected win total, yeah. 26th in offense, 16th in defense, middle of the road pace. 
Yeah. Eighth in strength schedule, no playoffs. Only really lose Bowl Bowl. They bring in Joe Ingles, Anthony Black, Jet Howard, and like I, I don't know whatever Jonathan Isaac is at this point. You know who yeah. who knows? But this team, were you gonna go ahead? You go. I was just gonna say kind of like what I said with Indiana, like a team that I think is going to be better that might not win a ton more games. Like just like like. You know, again, coming out of, you know, we're talking about guys who are going to be feeling good coming out of the World Cup. They got two of them. Franz and Paolo are hooping and building confidence. And, like, I love both of those guys. I love what they can do together. Um, we know what, what what Wendell can do, like, at center. Like, he's a really solid defensive center. And if they can get whatever Jonathan Isaac is like they, their front court rotation is really good. It's always a question of the guards in Orlando. And I think we're going to, I guess, I think the concern is kind of similar to what I was talking about with Detroit on a, on a different scale is like, how much are they trying to figure out what Jalen Suggs is? How much are they still trying to see what Cole Anthony is? Like how much are they, they really stretching that guard rotation and kind of seeing what they've got, I guess. Like, how much are they still in evaluation mode? Yeah, I mean, look, this team was, like, basically 500 after the first 25 games last year. Mm. And that, like, coincides really well with when Markel Fultz got healthy and when Markel, like, got moving a little bit after those first five or so games. Like, they, I think they lost the first five he played. And then after that, it was like, no, they're actually really good. And they they were a very, very effective basketball team. Yeah. Look. Losing Bowl Bowl to me, like I have key losses here. Like that's a positive to me in terms of Big win dub. loss numbers. Yeah. Like he, his defense was not good enough last yeah. year at any point. Yeah. Bringing in Joe Ingles, Anthony Black, like those guys are just better. Like Jonathan Isaac, if he can play, is just better. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the backcourt depth, I think, will get tested if mm-hmm. one of Mark, if Markel Fultz goes down, mm-hmm. which, you just never know how many games Markel is going to play at this point. Sure. I would hope as many as possible. He seems to be relatively past yeah. uh, the injuries, but you know, Jalen Suggs, I think is still going to be really good. It's just whether or not it's this year that the light switch switches on offensively. He's yeah. a great defensive player. He is. Uh, they do have shooters now, Gary Harris, Joe Ingles, Cole Anthony has developed into like a solid backup point guard in a he real has- way. Like, the big thing is what do they do if Wendell Carter goes down? Like yeah. that's, that feels concerning to me. This team has every opportunity to end up in the play in and mm-hmm. win and go to the playoffs. It just feels like the number is pretty close to what it should be. Yeah. I would that. lean, I would lean over just again because they have so many guys I like, um, yeah. but it is just, it, it really is a numbers game where it's just like, all right, like can they figure out, you know, how to win some of the, again, it's also a team that's still learning kind of how to win. Um, you know, you look at what expected wins, I guess 35, 34, but like a team that's going to still, still young, still figuring some things out, but like they have the pieces like, you know, I mean, we, we introduced, you know, slap the bag for Franz last year. We're back at it. 2023, 2024. We're running it back. Um, Paolo shunned Italy. Uh, and is we, we were we were all in on this we, over last year, weren't we? Yeah, we hammered we we the bag for France. We were slapping the bag for France. We were dead on. Yeah. I mean, one hundred percent. We were right. I just think they're they're kind of 
very similar to what they were last year. And they, and look, if they can stay healthy, I, I'm with you. I, I can see how this could be a 40 win team, but yeah, um, I think it's a it's a stay away with a lean over for me. I do I do like a lot of the guys on this team, man. Like I, I, that that's what I keep saying. Like I love all of the guys on this team. Basically, I don't know how much I love the overall roster building direction. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure, sure. Not like surrounding Franz and Paulo, both of whom I think are future all stars with shooters. But yeah. yeah, look, because they haven't like actually. I don't know. Like it's so hard because we have like a near 60 game sample of them being pretty close to a 500 team now, mm-hmm. even though the offense was a bit of a slog and you would think the offense will get better as these guys get a little bit older and more mature. Yeah. It's just a pure stay away to me. Like part of me wants to lean over. Part of me wants to lean under just because they're so young and there are so many teams they are young. in the yeah. East that yeah. are really good, but it, it's a pure stay away. I think that they, if you made me pick one side, I guess I would pick over, but I think that I, yeah, there's I a know. 30, there's a 35 and a half out there. Uh, so like if you do just, if you're slapping the bag, uh, yeah. go seek that out. But yeah, I'm with you. I think it's just uh stay away, but I'm they're in that pacer zone for me where like, I really like a lot of what they're doing. Uh, I think they are a couple moves to just make a more cohesive roster away from taking a big step forward, but that's always the hardest step, right? Like we've seen this dozens of times. We've seen young teams get a bunch of talent, but then it's how do you consolidate all of that into the next step? And that is what Orlando is facing. And I'm with you. It's going to be, where where's the guard play? Where's the shooting come around Franz and Paolo? Because those two are uh, dominant going to the lane. Like we we know, like they're just physically bigger and stronger than the people that are going to be guarding them. Don't sleep on Wendell Carter either. Let's nope. move on He's though. Really good. The 76ers. Uh, this number is 48 and a half. 50 and a half is out there. 50 and a half, friends. Sorry. I purely have no idea what to do with this number. It's a complete stay away from me because if James Harden shows up and like actually starts playing, they definitely win more than 50 games. Uh, That's a low percentage (laughs) outcome, but like if they move him, they might get stuff back that allows them to be effective with Joel Embiid. I don't know what the deal is out there that makes sense in that regard, but Mm -hmm. maybe, the other big thing here is that they won 54 games with Doc Rivers last year, and they're bringing in Nick Nurse, who is a better coach, I think, than Doc Rivers. Mm-hmm. So there are reasons to somewhat buy into this. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. if I had to pick a side, I'd be picking under yeah. at this point, like for sure. And I want nothing to do with this number whatsoever because I want nothing to do with this 76ers team while yeah. this whole thing is happening right now. Yeah, there, like I said, there's a 50 and a half out there, and that is a, that's a pretty comf- comfy under for me. Um, yeah. 48 and a half is, yeah, that's that takes away uh, considerable juice out of my, my plans <laughs> for an under because uh, that's two full wins, which is that's a lot on a win total. Um, yeah. So definitely shop this one. Yeah, man. I mean, like, again, we can't, it's kind of like Miami where you're just like, 
dude, like if like James Harden was really good for them last year, yeah. like I think that kind of gets lost in like the James Hardenness of all of this. But like, they don't have anybody that replaces that playmaking for everybody no. else. Like, no, not don't. a soul. And I think this offense, and we've seen Nick Nurse offenses can get muddy. Yeah. I, if they don't have Harden and they don't get a guard back, I don't like it. I don't like it, especially considering Joel Embiid is fairly reliant on somebody getting him the ball where he wants the ball. And if you don't have somebody who can reliably do that, that is big trouble for Philly. That is the biggest concern. It is, I think you can figure out ways to replace the scoring of James Harden. Yeah. By putting the, you know, I think expanding Tyrese Maxey's role, I'm big on Maxey. I think he can be really good. DeAnthony Melton getting a bigger role. I think he is an underrated guy. I thought he was a huge pickup for them last year. I love that. They just won't have a guy that can run the offense the same way and facilitate to Joel in particular and everybody else, but particularly Joel to get him the ball where he wants it, which makes Joel an MVP. If he doesn't get the ball in those spots, he's still really, really, really good. But if he's not the MVP caliber guy, he was last year just because he's not able to get to where he wants to be and get the ball in time to take advantage of mismatches or good position or whatever else that to get fouls and to get all the things that lead to him scoring 30 a night. If it's just harder and less efficient, that's a big blow. That's my thing. And I, nothing about what is out there, even if they get Terrence Mann back, who's a very good player that doesn't fix any of this. That's my big issue with Philly. I, uh, that's my, that's my pitch for the under. I do not love, do not love any of this. I I want (laughs) nothing to do with this. Truly. I just want nothing to do with this. If you made me pick a lean, it would be under. I just want nothing to do with this. It feels like it could go a number of ways. And I don't know that I want anything to do with it. Toronto is up next. Yeah. Yeah. Toronto. They're over under is 36 and a half. They won 41 last year, but they lose Fred Van Vliet. Expected win total 45. Mm-hmm. Off 11th in offense, 12th in defense, 26th in pace. They made the play in, did not make the playoffs. Strength of schedule 10th last year. Weird team, like brought in Dennis Schroeder. <laughs> I'm guessing that they're starting Ananobi Barnes, Siakam, and Pirtle. Uh, yep. Bring Gary Trent, Precious, and Jalen McDaniels off the bench. Look at this Great bench tip. group, by the way. Squad. Just like, what a squad. The most Maasai. This is just like the most Maasai team. The whole team. The whole, like, like, you, know what he, you know what he was missing for years? Was a, was a, uh, a guard with a seven-foot wingspan? A point guard with like – or a point guard with a crazy wingspan like Dennis? I think Dennis has like a six, six, eight, six, nine wingspan. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. It's honestly crazy. Like, I just don't know what to even what to do with this. This is pure stay away for me. Like, I, yeah. I want nothing to do with Toronto uh, this year in terms of positive or negative. Like, I think it could go really, really well, mm-hmm. and they look great. It could also they could also open up 
you know, like I said, 18 and 24 of Chicago. They could also up, open up 18 and 24 and they start to look at moving Siakam or moving Ananobi or stuff like that. And this becomes way more difficult. What do we, what do we look at here in terms of what this even, what does this offense look like? I, I have no idea. They were 11th in offense last year and they've changed coaches to um, Darko Radakovich. Um, like is the offense, what is the offense? I don't know what the offense is. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. I mean, are we going to see a step forward from Scotty Barnes offensively? Eh, I don't know. (laughs) Right. Like, I mean, like it's a lot of, it's a lot of that kind of thing with Toronto that would, you would require to, you'd have to believe in. Cause like losing Fred Van Vliet loses like their best, like, go get a bucket guy in the backcourt, obviously. And like, just like a guy who can create his own shot from the perimeter. And like, that's not really Dennis. You don't really want Dennis doing that is the big thing. Like Dennis will, he, he will try to do that. Um, don't really want him to. And so, yeah, like I, I don't know, but yeah, it's the most Maasai team I have ever laid eyes on. Like they just went out and added Garrett Temple just cause. Why do they need Garrett Temple? Like, why? Like, where? Where does like why? Because he's another wing. He's just—it's all funny. It's just like I don't know what we're doing here. So, like, in terms of shooters, they can play lineups with Trent Ananobi and Grady Dick and get away with it. Uh-huh. But like, my current working theory is that they're probably going to play scotty barnes on the ball quite a bit right and if you're going to play scotty on the ball you really need shooting around him which is why it's a little bit weird to me that even though yaka Pertle is like really good and i think like it's a little bit underrated mm-hmm. because of his screening ability and because of like his rim running and he just like kind of carves out space in his roles in a really awesome way it, it's a bit odd. Like I think Scotty is really going to have to be a shooter and like be somebody that can knock down mid range shots uh, it, it, to be effective offensively. Not and he true. likes to operate in the same areas as Siakam as well. Offensively kind of OG sometimes, you know, that sometimes, just OG OG likes to do that. Like, I think he, he would love an opportunity to he play like on the to, ball a little bit and drive, especially in a contract year. Yeah. It's all, Here's here's the other thing. Yeah. If OG is in a contract year and they decide to give the ball to Scotty Barnes and it doesn't go that well, um, mm. which it might go well, it might not. Uh, I think Scotty is a talented player and has the ability to play on the ball. It's just that it's an open question. Let's go with it at this point. Sure. Ananobi's probably not going to be particularly happy about that. And he shouldn't be happy about that because he's in a contract year and is somebody trying to get like real substantial money to be paid to him. Yeah. So I say all of this to say this is like by far the most uncertain team to me in the league. I like they have a new coach. They have all of these dudes. Their two best players right now. OG and Pascal are expiring deals. Mm-hmm. Gary Trent, their sixth man, is an expiring deal. Precious uh, is a restricted free agent. 
Yeah, remember when there was supposed year. to be? A, remember when there was supposed to be a Gary Trent extension? Yeah, I don't remember when he like I, picked no. up his player option, and they were like, "Yeah, we're optimistic. We're going to go." Hasn't happened, at least. What the hell, what the um, hell was that? So, like, I just don't know what to expect w- with this team yeah. in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, and I, th- this is just me being honest. Like, I don't, I don't know what this looks like, and I'm gonna wash my hands of it and yeah. Yeah. recommend to stay away. Yeah, the about as firm a stay away. Like, this is this is like heat territory of just like, no thanks, I'm good. I, I just. Uh, if they start poorly and they decide to like move guys, this could be like a could be 28 bad. win situation. Could be bad. Because, they, yeah. You know, they pull the pin like they did the year in Toronto or Tampa, mm-hmm. right? How many games did they win the year in Tampa? They won Not many. Uh, 27. Yeah. So like it, it could be a deal where they pull the pin mm-hmm. and decide to go. Okay, this next one is one of my more fun cases I'm going to give to you. It's the last team here. It's the Washington Wizards. Robbie, their over-under is 24 and a half. Lowest in the league by a lot. By four games. They won 35 last year. They lose Bradley Beal and Chris Dobbs and Monte Morris. They bring mm-hmm. in Jordan Poole, Landry Shamet, Bilal Koulibaly, Muscala, Gallinari, Pat Baldwin, Ryan Rollins. My guess is that all those guys even aren't on the team. Like they have to make some moves to reduce their roster at some point here. This team still. It's not bad. Has a starting lineup of Tyus Jones, Jordan Poole, Corey Kispert, Kyle Kuzma, Daniel Gafford. Yeah. And they have DeLon Wright and Denny Avdia and like Landry Shamit and Xavier Cooks was just really good for Australia in the world cup. Mm. Mm. I don't think. This is a 24 win team. Dude, I mean, this is what we were kind of saying earlier. Like, the league is crazy deep that you can yeah. have, like, what should be the worst team in the league. And you're like, I mean, because here's the thing is, like, we know Tyus Jones can run a team pretty well. Like, it's going to be interesting to see what he does night in, night out with 30 plus a night. But, like, him and DeLon Wright. Is not a. That's not the worst point guard rotation in the league. Yeah, like I don't think so. Like I think that's no. It's a decent. Like it's not super high end, but it's like fine, you, could, you could talk me into that being the twentieth best point guard rotation in the NBA. Like I'd have to go through the names, and maybe I'm wrong, but like it's not awful. Jordan Poole, for I think for what this team's going to be. It's got to be good. Like, here's the thing about Poole is, like, it, he's he's a tough guy to have on a team that wants to play the way the Warriors play. I think it it's just, you know, we talk about how, you know, Clifford and LaMelo were fascinated to see how that goes because they're just opposite personalities. Like, that feels a little bit like Poole and Kerr to me. Um, it always felt like they were running kind of counterintuitive to like, they just didn't necessarily see basketball quite the same way. And I think not necessarily for the worst for pool to learn how to play some of that way. I think he needed that structure and I think he needed that. And like to be on a winning basketball team, you need that, but he's also gonna, you know, like, and he has a, a roster around him. That's interesting for what he's good at. Like Kispert, 
as a knockdown shooter next to him. Kuzma's a solid shooter and kind of secondary guy. Daniel Gafford's solid, you know, like he's, he's not a, a very good starting center in the NBA, but like, I, I, I'm with you. Like, I don't hate this team. Like, you know, you look at it and you thought like, Oh, they trade all these guys, but it's like, they and also like, like, not adults. like yeah, it's not like they've, it feels okay. It's kind of like what happened with Utah last year. Right. Like where everybody's like, Oh, this team's going to bottom out completely. And it's like, I don't think Washington quite wants to completely do that yet. You know, I think they kind of want to show a little bit of something because I think it's just, it's just not in a situation where they want to say like, and it's also just not like a draft year that you just go like unnecessarily or like we're shooting for this guy, you know, like I think it's, it's easier in a year like last year to say like, Hey, we're just going for Wimby, you know, and at least your fans are excited about that. But this year, like, there's just not that name that I think you can sell fans on as like, hey, we're just tearing it down completely to the studs. And I think we're just in year one of this reshape. And if we're just in year one of this reshape, you can talk me into 27, 28 wins here. I think so, too. The only so this is a stay away for me, even though I'm kind of i i have like a pretty good lean over here mm-hmm. it's a stay away just because mm-hmm. we've seen this team get pretty aggressive on the trade market with this new front office as it is yeah. with will yeah. dawkins and Trevor Schlank and yeah. everybody involved like but like i guess my question is who gets moved is it i guess delon delon is so like well, antias is also on expiring like yeah. If you move Tyus and you or you move Delon, it gets a little bit tricky. Sure. Shamit, I guess, is always a potential somebody decides they need shooting. Yeah, like I mean, that's how he's been on the last like three teams he's been on. So, and, and look, like I'm not saying that you know a, a team should like go all out and try and get Corey Kispert, but like Corey Kispert you know, it has is through two years of his rookie deal. Now, if you're a contender like Boston or something like that, and you have two late first round picks this year, mm. if you're Washington, would you rather have those two late firsts? And I, you're again, like, it comes down to restarting exactly the prospect the, clock, right? Yeah, I guess it depends on what your what your end goal is. Cause again, like it just doesn't feel like the moves they made are geared towards like a complete, like processy type thing. And like, it's kind of feel again, like I feel like they're, they're trying to take that Utah approach where it's like, we're going to flip. And so they could be a, they could be a deadline team that moves guys. But even if they get to the deadline, like if they made it all the way to the deadline with this roster, they could very well be in range of 26 wins even yeah. if they start shutting things down, like kind of like what we saw with Utah last year, where Utah won thirty-five or whatever, and like just like punted the last three weeks of the season, they won thirty-seven, yeah. and so like I don't think they have they don't have the high end of Utah because like I don't think anybody's gonna pop like Laurie, but like Kuzma and Jordan Poole are like those are starting caliber guys on good teams. Tyus Jones is I think Tyus is too. Tyus is, is a good player. Tyus feels. 
and this is the Hawks guy in me coming out. And this is just more like the range that I see him in, not play type, but like Jeff Teagish in that kind of like, he's going to be, he could be like a mid tier guy. If he, if he hit a ceiling, like he could be like just that kind of, you're, you're not super inspired, but I'm assuming he's not as funny. He can't be as funny. Jeff T goat podcast. Um, Okay. Anyway, real, real quick here. We're both like staying away from the wizards, right? Yeah, just stay away, but I do like the over more than anything. I definitely I also I lean over on the Wizards as well, but as somebody that covered Jeff Teague. Yeah. Let's do one quick Jeff Teague story for the people that make you that made you laugh. I think because you could you covered Jeff for four years, probably, something like that. I started in I started January of the lockout year. So January, 2012 was when I first started covering him. I left covering the team 15, I guess 14, 15 was probably my last year. That year they were really good. Um, so yeah, four years with Jeff. Um, I, I'll get, I got two. So the funny thing, it's been really weird seeing this podcast turn from Jeff because like he was really quiet. Uh, didn't talk a lot. But like you could always see kind of he was funny. Um, but like he um I'll never forget it was funny listening to him tell the story about uh negotiating his deal coming out of restricted free agency because I remember talking to Wes Wilcox, who was the assistant GM at the time, and Wes was like, Jeff's not happy about this. Because the thing was this was a handful of years after Atlanta had given Marvin Williams way more money than the market was going to give him in restricted free agency. <laughs> and so the Hawks just as an organization, like refused to negotiate with an RFA without an offer sheet because they didn't want to do it again. They had just given, like they gave Marvin something crazy um, compared to what was out there and just to keep him. And like, they were going to keep Jeff, like everything I had heard the whole way. It was like, we're going to keep Jeff. Clearly, Jeff had not heard that, given his side of the story. <laughs> and so it was really, it was very funny hearing him tell this. And so I'll never forget, but like Jeff, you know, Jeff had never, Jeff was on a rookie deal and he was like a mid, mid-round guy. So like he wasn't making a ton yeah. back then. I think he and went so like he, 20th or something like so that. So he signs yeah. for four for 32 because that's what my, Milwaukee gave him. And like literally, like he said, Hawks matched instantly, which I knew they would do. But I remember talking to Wes. I remember talking to Wes in Vegas because that's when it got done. I remember talking to Wes in Vegas at Summer League, and he's like, yeah, man, like we got we're going to have to sit down with Jeff and explain this after. Like We can't tell him now, but we got to explain this after. But I remember seeing Jeff, and I, I must have been – He was it was a Hawks game. He walks in the gym. Thomas is at uh, – sorry, Cox Pavilion, the GOAT. And so there's like 20 people in the gym because this is 2014 or whatever, 13 or whatever. And so uh, he walks in and Jeff has never been a small talk guy with me at this point. Like I've only been around a couple of years. I was the young guy. I didn't, I didn't want to step on toes or anything like that. He walks straight up to me and I was like, Hey, and I was about to ask like if I could get a couple minutes with him. Cause he just got the deal. I was going to get like the first person to talk to him. And like, I kind of like reach out and say, Hey, congrats and shake his hand. And he like slaps my hand away and like gives me this like bear hug. Cause I don't think he had seen anybody to hug about the deal all day. And he just needed to like be excited with somebody about it. 
And so that's one. And, th- and then he talked for like 12 minutes with me in like a one-on-one. It's the most he ever talked to me about basketball. We talk about wrestling all the time. He loves wrestling. <laughs> um, we, t- we would talk every, after every pay-per-view, we would just like be off in the corner at practice talking about what we had watched at Money in the Bank or whatever. That's amazing. It's great. Love Jeff. Uh, my second one is, I don't know if I've told this one on here before, but I, it's my favorite Jeff Teague story of all time. When Joe got traded, at the time, Jeff was still living in Joe's house because Jeff did not get his own place until he got that second contract. Because um, Jeff is Jeff is a frugal fellow. When he moved back to Indiana, uh, he moved into his parents' basement. When he was, and this was when he went to the Pacers, and he had made fifty million dollars at this point in his career. That's amazing. Anyway, so he was living at Joe's house. Joe and Jeff were both in the house when Joe got traded. Joe informed Jeff of the trade via text message. <laughs> when we were like, y'all were both in the house. He's like, yeah. We said, why did he text you and not just come tell you? And Jeff deadpan goes, Joe's got a big house. <laughs> Objectively true. Objectively true. But that's my favorite Jeff Teague story. Is him just dead, just just dead serious. Joe's got a big house because I know Jeff was just playing video games and Joe was doing whatever the hell yoga or something, whatever the hell Joe Johnson does when he's not at a basketball court, which is like five hours a day. Um, yeah, it's my favorite Jeff Teague story. That's the best. That's a good way to end it. That's a good way to end the Eastern Conference uh, over unders. So to recap, Atlanta. We're both lean over, but stay away. Boston, we're both lean over, but stay away. Brooklyn, I am definitely on the under on Brooklyn. Mm. I think that is the right way to go. Robbie's more of a lean there. Mm. Charlotte, I'm like sort of kind of on the over. Robbie is a definite over Mm -hmm. for them. Chicago is our disagreement this year. Mm -hmm. Robbie is over. I have under. Uh, I don't feel strongly about it. Neither is he. No. Cleveland is one that I am definitely like, I think definitely over on Cleveland. You yep. were a little bit more ambivalent. Are you like a definite over? You or? talked me into it. You talked me into it. Uh, okay. 40, 49 and a half. I like the over especially. Okay. Um, I, yeah, I think you're right. Like, I think that that could just, that's just a buzzsaw in the regular season. Yeah. Uh, Detroit. We're both lean over, but stay away. Indiana, mm-hmm. we're both lean over, but stay away. Miami. I put like lean under on Miami just because they're not a regular season team, to be honest. But it's I a agree. stay away for me. Uh, Milwaukee, I had lean under. You were like kind Talk, of – You talked me into it. You talked me into lean a lean under. under. Not yeah. play. Knicks is our favorite. We have Hammer. Knicks over like, down. for sure. 44 and a half. No, the New York Knicks podcast. Here. Yeah. Uh, Orlando magic. I kind of had lean under a little bit. Like I'm like basically 36 is like the number to me. Um, yeah. The number I had was 35 and a half. So I had no play. So I guess figure out what I guess at 36 and a half. Um, it's a stay away. Yeah, it's just a stay away from me, but like, I don't know if we're doing leans. I'll we'll, let's, lean let's, let's disagree here. Lean over for me. Okay. Uh, 76ers, we both had lean under, but we want nothing to do with that situation. Yeah, or were 50, you more of a 50 and a half? half. I like to play. 50 and a half, I just like to play. Yeah, 50 and a half is a good number for that. Yeah, the Raptors, I said I want nothing to do with that situation whatsoever. Uh, 36 and a half, I, I don't know, honestly, Let's, that's a yeah. 
it's a very nice number. it's uh, a good number for what that situation is in washington we were kind of lean over like yeah you can talk me into an over on washington i don't think i want to actually play it because again that's a matter of do you want to be invested in the washington wizard success and i think the historic answer is no um yeah. but i think will dawkins is good for what it's worth like that that might be adjusting and shifting a little bit but the the other piece of it too that with the wizards that throws me off is i'm not a hundred percent sure how good wes unseld is like he sure. might be kind of bad sure. uh, based off of what we've seen sure. like to have the 22nd best offense in the league with bradley beal christops like kyle kuzma Corey kispert like that at the very least they should have been able to score like Continue. at a high level and yeah they didn't and they haven't had a top 20 defense yet uh and he was like a defense guy in denver um yeah. i'm just like a little bit skeptical there and that for those reasons and for potential trade reasons with ties being expiring with mm. um delon oh, being expiring yeah i think that's a stay away for sure i don't know i'm kind of like I, I like sold myself hard on the wizards over on the last podcast i recorded but <laughs> and then i was like this feels like a mistake, Sam. <laughs> yeah. Again, just as a, can I, can I run back my favorite um, wizards n- note just yes. generally, Please. which is that Please. they have, which is that they have not won 50 games since the seventies. Yeah. It's crazy. It's true. It happened in this year. Nah, that's for damn sure. The streak lives on. The streak lives on. Robbie, tell the people where they can find your work. Tell the people what's going on. Yeah, you can read me over at Uprox. Um, you can find me on Twitter at rcaland and all the other social media platforms at rcaland. And you can find me here doing win totals and talking about Mission Impossible movies. So That's true. We did not do the Fast Mission Impossible movies. podcast yet. Yeah, we, we do have to do the Mission Impossible podcast at some point. That won't okay. happen today it won't happen probably tomorrow but it'll happen at some point because i've seen it twice in theaters, and it's pretty great it's great okay uh go to the athletic keep me employed subscribe do all that stuff uh go to the youtube channel subscribe hit that button best way to support the show you'll get to see all these little graphics i've made everything like that it's really helpful i will have a tape breakdown as well up on there of what's happening with the G league ignite against Perth. That's probably up by now, by the time this goes live, go read that, do all of that. Uh, that's all I've got. Robbie will be back to do Western conference over unders later this week, early next week. I'm not sure when, uh, but until then we'll talk soon. See ya.